The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. On my life verse. My, this is easy for me tonight. I'm going to preach on my life verse. When I first got right, I was raised in a Christian home. I was, uh, my, I got, my mom and dad got saved when I was two years old. They got born again of God. When my mom and dad got saved, God cleaned them and saved them at the same time. He took, he took cigarettes away, the drinking away, the dancing away, all of that stuff away. Nobody told them not to do it. They just knew it was not right to do as a born again Christian. And they began to go to church, never gone to church up to that point, never. My dad's family was pretty much heathen, heathen meaning non-religious. Uh, they, he didn't know what Jesus was all about. The only Jesus he'd ever been exposed to was the Cecil B. DeMille silent film. Was that a silent film? There was a silent film about Jesus out in the 20s, and he had watched that at a movie theater. But he couldn't figure out why that guy was crucified. And so he had no exposure to the gospel. In World War II, when he was he joined the Marines, he got in the Marine Corps, and he was transferred to Hawaii. From Hawaii, that was a staging area to go for fi- about 50% of some of them boys to their death. And he knew that he may never see, may never live through it. So he went, and he sought a chaplain out. And he went to the chaplain, and he says, you know, I'm a Marine. I'm getting ready to be shipped out, and I may not come back. I want to know about this God, you know, what about God? And, and this, this liberal Non-believing chaplain basically says, just do good at everybody and it'll be all right. He's getting ready to go kill people. He said that gave him very little comfort. After a year and a half on the islands, the fourth wave of Saipan, first wave of Tinian, and, and, and uh, a faint of Okinawa. And he made it through it. His ships were sunk around him. People were killed all around him. Never got a scratch. Came back to the United States. So the ship was given basically his papers and everything in San Francisco, or San Diego, excuse me, and told to go home. He didn't have money to get a bus, so he hitchhiked. He figured being in World War II, he had his dress greens on. He was a hero, obviously. They won the war. That surely he'd get a ride. He said he went through whole states, and nobody stopped to pick him up. And he literally walked through. He said, I walked through the state of Oklahoma. And he finally made it back to Elkhart, Indiana, walked in the house, and he said the people treated him like, like they, he had not been gone but a few days. And, and uh, he got working, got in floor covering, and uh, still had, had, had a, a thriving business, had six employees, a thriving income, he owned his own business, had three beautiful boys. And um, 
but he was dissatisfied. Something was missing. Something big was missing. And so he told my mom, he says, I'm going to go down to his church down the way here and see what they're in. And she says, I'm not going. It may be a cult. I'm not going to get involved in cults. And so he took, he dressed us three boys. This is not my dad. He got us three boys ready and took us to church three times. The third time, the pastor came up and said, hey, I know you've been visiting here. And uh, my dad said, would you be willing to come by and talk to me and my wife? And so Harold Hofflinger said, sure. Harold Hofflinger had been one of the top ten wanted FBI list as a bank robber. Spent time in jail, got saved in jail, got out of jail and became a preacher like most preachers. And so he, uh, Harold Hoffling went over to the house and led my mom and dad to Jesus. They both bowed their knee by the sofa there and asked Jesus to save him in a simple childlike manner. And that's the way you get saved, is in a simple childlike manner. And so I was two years old. And I was raised in a Christian home, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My mom and dad lived what they believed. They were real, like I spoke about this morning. Were they imperfect? They had full of flaws. My mom and dad were full of flaws, just like you are. And yet, as a kid, they, they would get right about them and make it right. I was not bitter at them. I defended them. While I was out into sin, I rejected Jesus consciously to live for him, at least, when I was 12, 13 years old. I said, I'm not going to live for him anymore. I'm going to get everything that the world's got to offer I want. And I, I consciously sought to do anything and everything that was out there to do, from 13 all the way to about 18, almost 18 years old. At 18 years old, under deep conviction, one night in my bedroom, I gave my heart to Christ. Tripping out on LSD, hearing and seeing demons and hearing all kinds of other stuff, I begged God to have mercy on my soul. Instantly, all the demons and the faces and all the things that I was hearing were gone. Absolute quiet. I knew there was a God. I knew he had mercy on me. And from that point on, I said, God, whatever, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. And I began to seek God, really for the first time since I was 13 years old, I began to seek God again. And I began to read the Bible. How do you seek God? You read the Bible. You read the Bible. And I, I ran across this verse, and if you would take your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 17, the key verse being verse 16. I am debtor both to the Greeks, these Paul's words, this is Romans chapter 1. I am debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So much as is in me is. And a lot of people, that's a good preaching right there. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And this is it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's my life first. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as writ the just shall live by faith. I believe this verse is given to ward off the tendency for you and I to shrink away from confrontation. This verse gave me some strength that I needed. It, a verse doesn't become your life verse if it doesn't do something for you. It's got to do something for you. And it became my life first because this thing talked to me. It, it got into my soul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I thought to myself, I need that. 
Man, I need that because I have an aversion to confrontation. How many would say you have an aversion to confrontation? The rest of you are the confronters. Most people, though, honestly, if they raise their hand, they, they, they would say they don't like confrontation. Most people don't like confrontation. Some feed on it. I have seen it. But, but I was a shy person. Quiet. Didn't say many words. I have gotten over that. <laughs> but this verse wards off our nat- natural tendency to just avoid confrontation. Why don't people talk about Jesus more and more? Because when they talk about Jesus, people say, I don't believe that. Don't give me that religion stuff. I don't talk about politics religion. Or some manner of confrontation comes up. It hurts their spirit. And they say, you know, that's an unpleasant experience. And most people don't like to do that, which is unpleasant. I mean, it's just flat out. They don't want to do what's which is unpleasant to them. And they, they shrink away. This verse is to ward off the tendency to hesitate in the face of rejection and negative peer pressure. This verse is to ward off the, new, the natural shyness that was so strong in me. I know you have a hard time believing that. But the truth is, when God called me to the ministry, I said, I'll, actually at 18, I said this to him. I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, but not be a preacher. Anything but be a preacher. I didn't know God well. I didn't realize that was like Sikkim. That was one area I was holding out. And he said, that's the area I'm going for, son. You won't give me 100%. You don't give me 99%. You give God 100%, brother. You give it all. And I said, that's just a preacher. And so I was a business major at Bob Jones for two years. I took accounting. I took macro, microeconomics. I took business management. I even had, I went up to IU and took business courses for a year. And I had some of the uh, guys talk. Man, I had some of the finest professors from Notre Dame teach me there I've ever been. I've never heard history taught like some of them boys taught it. They came in as guest speakers. But then God would not let me go with that. He wouldn't let me go. And I adopted, by the grace of God, this battle cry. Because that's what this verse is. To me, it's a battle cry. And it's mine. If I obeyed it, if I was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and I understood that it was the power of God unto salvation, and that everyone was included, Jews or Greeks, if, if I would just repeat it, God would do the work. That it didn't depend on me for its power. It depended on me to repeat it. A God saves people through magnetic tape. That's sermons on cassettes. Boy, that dates us a little bit. Or sermons on CDs or sermons on DVDs. This thing's going to go over the internet. 135 different countries we had people downloading this from. I mean, that's not me preaching. That's an image of me and the soundtrack of me preaching or whoever's on there. And, and they listen to that and, they get, and, and they move, they're moving on. I'm confident that people are being saved over that. Why? Because it's the power of God under salvation. The gospel is the power of God. All you and I have to do is repeat it. You say you have to be good at it? No. In fact, the worse you are repeating it, probably the better results you get. If you get too slick... If you get too professional, it comes across as phony. And so what you have to fight having repeated, have you ever, have you ever called one of them calling stations where somebody said this 50,000 times? Hello, this is a 
da-da-da, we're from da-da-da, and we give you a vacation in Orlando for three nights and three days. I've been having them people harass me, and I said, I don't want to go on vacation. <laughs> well, we'll give it to you three, four nights in Orlando, and we'll give three nights over. I don't want to go to Orlando. The woman just after, and she's repeated it so many times, she starts slurring her words and, and putting them together. It's just they've lost all the genuine sound of the whole thing. That's what happens to Christians. But if I obeyed this verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and our salvation, and everyone that believeth the Jew first and also to the Greek, if I be obeyed it, it would guide my ship to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. It would rebuke the deceiver and the coward that was in me. There is a coward in me. We don't get along. It would remind me that the power was the gospel and not me, that I needed to tell it, and it would be faith unto faith. What's that faith unto faith? The exercise of my faith in telling it will produce more faith in those who hear it when they trust Christ. And when they trust Christ, they will take faith in repeating it, and that will create faith in those who hear it, and that faith on the faith on the faith. And you know somehow or another, every born-again believer in this room is connected back to those 12 apostles. Why do you think this new Jerusalem is going to have their name on it? Because it came from those 12 guys. Everybody that's going to inhabit the new Jerusalem is connected to them. Because they gave the gospel. They were the first ones to go in the world and preach the gospel with 120. And God specifically selected those guys. And he says, you go. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you special. I'm going to give you some special gifts, some special miracles that, to help you to do this because it's a big job reaching the world. And their name is going to be on the, on the New Jerusalem. Faith on the faith. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, folks. It's beautiful. We are on the winning side. The only thing that can stop the gospel, the devil can't stop the gospel. Adversity feeds it. The only thing that can stop the gospel is silence. It's silence. One of the devil's main goals is to silence you. Embarrass you enough to stop. Pressure you enough to hold off. Make you feel stupid, foolish, self-righteous. He doesn't care what he uses to try to stop you from talking about the gospel, but he has a goal and a dream that you quit repeating the gospel. That, that, uh, there, there's, that, that people are sinners, unable to save themselves by any good works. That Jesus Christ came, the only one. He died, he, he was buried, he actually physically uh, uh, rose the third day under the power of God. And you by faith, repentance and faith, ask him to be your Savior. You'll have a home in heaven. You can add more you want that. You can make it an hour long if you want to. I took EE, that's evangelism explosion. How many here ever had EE? A lot of you. Kennedy across the way there. I remember in the 70s, I taught EE. We got to learn it. We memorized the program, taught. They had a 15-minute presentation, a 30-minute presentation, a 45-minute presentation. 
as a teacher. I had to learn all four. And we'd get in some homes. And I'm going to tell you, back in the 70s, God did something big. There was revival going on. I didn't know what was going on. But we'd go over to those houses, and we'd give that presentation. People say, I'd like to be saved. Kneel down at the end and get saved. And we were leading people right and left to Christ in that period of time. People were getting saved. It was easy. People, it seemed easy. Because we would just give it, and people would be broken, repentant, and get saved. I'm thinking, wow. Now, things don't always work quite. What I didn't realize is things weren't always quite that easy with the gospel. It, it, it waxes and wanes, but people still get saved. God will not allow the heathen, the backslidden, the liberal, the moderate, or the fundamentalist to keep the gospel from going forth. If you quit speaking it because of some Calvinistic persuasion or some poison that you take, that you believe, he'll use Arminian to tell it. And, and if Arminian won't tell it, he'll use a moderate or a liberal to tell it. But he's going to tell it. The gospel, because for the sake of Jesus Christ, the gospel is going to be told. And God Almighty is going to make it happen. Now, I want to be part of that program. That's what I did at 18. I said, Lord, I just want to be part of the program. Uh, and, and he wants you to be part of the program. In fact, uh, the gospel is so powerful that a Jehovah Witness, which, which is absolutely opposite of who we are, the 20 major doctrines that we believe they, they say are wrong, even a Jehovah Witness with that kind of brainwashing, going to church five nights a week, can get saved by reading the old Bible, the old King James Bible. They used to believe the King James Bible is the only Bible. Now they got their own Bible. They changed it, and it's not good. But I've, I, I remember how many, I had a Wednesday night where the leader of a kingdom hall came in here. And I had him stay at my house. And he had gotten born again by reading the book of Romans. And he was responsible for over 100 Jehovah Witnesses. And he said before it was all over, he had led over 100 of them to Christ. By taking them into the book of Romans and showing them that salvation is by grace through faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. And the old boy had a brain tumor. God saw fit. And I, I don't know why God does what he does. And when I get to him, I probably won't want to ask him. But he, he, this guy got a brain tumor and died. Oh, because I thought so many books that he could write. But Joe Witnesses get saved. Uh, we got a book, and it's out of print now. Um, we got a book in, in my, uh, two, we could, you know, give you. If you really want to know about Joe Witnesses, we got this book. And I, I think it's Stephen Quick. It's called Pilgrimage Through the Watchtower. And it's about a guy that was in the watchtower, deeply in the watchtower. It did not satisfy. And, and without outside influence much, he got born again. That's how powerful the gospel is. Even in that kind of environment, Mormons get saved out of studying the Bible. Uh, it, it's a dangerous and it's viral, brother. It's powerful. Years ago, I ran across this, and some of you this won't be new to, but that's okay with me because we got new people that it will be new to. I want to read this because this was, this was kind of an anthem to the gospel. This is an anthem to living for Jesus. Years ago, I found this. He says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Right over our door, by the way, in gold leaf, we got this is the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision's been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. 
My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished, done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane, talk, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right. That's big. I got to pause there. I don't have to be right. Let's just call the invitation right now. I don't have to be right. Oh, may it be so. I don't have to be first. Tops. Recognized. Praised. Regarded. Or rewarded. Wow. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk with patience, lift, lift by prayer, labor by power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide reliable. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, Preach till all know and work until he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem in recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Man, when I first read that, supposedly written by an African pastor, an anonymous African pastor, I hope so. I thought that's just got to be, that's got to be about everything one Christian wants to be, should be. We may fail. Folks, anybody that hasn't failed never did anything. Failure are just learning experiences on how to succeed. Failure. I started out with a horrible failure in my life, and it taught me a lot of good lessons and has helped me through my whole years. Failure can be turned around to success if you get the lessons it's teaching you. But you know what? We can't fail with the gospel unless you just don't say it. This, this, this week, you're going to be asked of God to repeat the gospel. I have no doubt. You're going to be around people that need the gospel. And you're going to be asked to repeat the gospel. What will you do? Have I ever been silent when God's asked me to repeat the gospel? I hate to say it, but yes, I have. As well as I know the gospel as outgoing as I am, yet there's a coward within me that worries about what people think of him. Now, why would I worry about what people think of me at 63 years old? Really, why would I? But I do. Do you? When I get around, now if you say something, there's a voice that says, now if you say something, you know, you know this just isn't going to be good. This ain't going to be pretty. That's why for many years I had this scripture on the back of my truck. 
why I pass out tracts like a farmer sowing seed, why I sweat on a hot summer days walking house to house or giving the gospel, or why I get up at 4.30 to preach on the beach in Easter, why, I have a, why we have a website here at the gospel, why we have a bus ministry here at the gospel, why we spend tens of thousands of dollars on gospel tracts and mass mailing, flyers, etc., why we act like crazy people for VBS. I mean, we just lose it for VBS. But I like every minute of it. Be crazy for Jesus. Why we wear our vehicles out on Thursday visitation for over 30 plus years. Why we spend uh, $3,000 plus a year on an on a old booth at the flea market. Why we, why we built this auditorium, spent $750,000 of people's IRAs and lifelong savings. Why we spent two hundred thousand over two hundred thousand a year on missions, year after year after year? Why? Why spend five hundred thousand on a gymnasium? Why? Because of the gospel. It's about the gospel. Ways to new ways. I prayed just Saturday night. I come in here and pray on Saturday nights. I prayed on Saturday night. God, give us some creativity. Give me some creativity. Give us some creativity on how to preach the gospel. Some new ways. Some new ways. God's done that for me. I was going door to door, hot. Remember, nobody's paying attention. I had a whole row of houses to do down there, and I thought, no, I'm never going to get done with all these houses. And trying to get some kids for a bus ministry, saw the ice cream truck go by playing that irritating, ridiculously demonic song they play. That thing went by, and the doors opened up all the way down there, and kids poured out to buy that ice cream, and that's when God whispered in my ear, why don't you do that? I said, why don't I do that? Why don't we do that? The ice cream ministry was birthed. The logic is simply this. Jesus loved me so much to go through Calvary he loved me so much to leave heaven, the fellowship with his Father, which we'll never comprehend, the comforts untold, to for eternity be in a body with scars. Love me enough to send someone to give me the gospel message. Standing up for the gospel is the least thing I can do. That's the least I can do. Just being willing to repeat the gospel is the least thing I can do for him. For I am not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. I want to smack a Calvinist in the face. God forbid that you try to chew up and regurgitate the clear teaching of Scripture. And discourage people from getting out and telling everybody they see about Jesus. Because there's some elected, some not. If there were, it wouldn't make any difference to me because he's told me to go and tell everybody. That everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. That means everybody. Everybody. Will you tell the gospel? I know some of you, folks, you can get discouraged. I remember this verse, when the fear chills up and down my spine, and I don't want to stand for the gospel, and that old coward in me wants to come out again, I think of this verse. Repeat the gospel. Repeat the gospel. Repeat the gospel. 
And I think of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, where he says, Whosoever shall therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Now this is, a, this is the fire. This is where when you pull the trigger. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. It don't get better than that. You mean in front of all that myriads upon myriads that it appears like clouds at before the, the, the beam of seat of Christ? He'll say, I know Bob Crichton. He's mine. Glory. There ain't nothing better than that. Keep the, keep the gold streets. Keep the mansions. Keep the free food. And give me Jesus. If he'll look at me and say, I know you, you're mine. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Are you part of the fellowship of the unashamed? Our Father, tonight we pray that your hand may be upon this message. I preached this message 10 years ago. Lots come and gone in 10 years. I'm 10 years older. I was 53 last time I preached this. Smarter, better looking. Now I'm getting dumber and I'm getting ugly. But the gospel's the same. When this old body turns into dust and the spirit goes to be with thee, the gospel still be the same. The power of God under salvation will still be the same. How do you win a Muslim to Christ? You give them the gospel. How do you win a Hindu to Christ? You give them the gospel. How do you win a Jehovah Witness to Christ? You give them the gospel. How do you win a Mormon? You give them the gospel. How does anybody get saved? You give them the gospel. Help us not to be ashamed of it, Father. Help us to join the fellowship. Oh, what a club we're in. The fellowship of the unashamed. People like Adoniram Judson, William Carey, Hudson Taylor, C.H. Spurgeon, F.B. Meyer, Gypsy Smith, D.L. Moody, Mel Trotter, Jack Hiles, Bob Jones Sr., Bob Jones Jr. People that have been all part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Help us to hold our end up when it comes to our time. And this is our moment. This is our moment. Help us not to be a coward. Help us not to shrink back from what you've asked us to do. And Father, when we repeat the gospel, we'd sure appreciate it. If once in a while somebody gets saved. We sure appreciate if somebody said, yes, I want that. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. This hand has led through shadows dream. And while it leads, I have no fear. I
still got